everybody, welcome to episode 60 of Track Wrestling's Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirkatani. I'm Andy Hamilton, coming to you from Cedar Falls, Iowa, joined, as always, by the czar of the Track Wrestling Rankings, the savvy veteran David Mirkatani, <laughs> coming to you from St. Louis. David, how's it going this afternoon? Good. I think savvy veteran is a kind term for old. <laughs> and savvy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mostly savvy. <laughs> Let's take that. Yeah, I'll go with that. That's funny. <laughs> How are you doing? Doing great. Good. Yourself? I'm great. Uh, got to travel this last weekend. Got to interview Mark Cody. Traveling this weekend. Really been a fun little uh, string of days here put together. Yeah, Mark Cody, you had the chance to catch up with the new coach at Presbyterian, the new coach at the new school on the D1 block. Pretty exciting news for college wrestling, David, that Presbyterian's coming in not just as a men's Division I program, but also going to be the first uh, Division I school to offer women's wrestling. Tell us a little bit about your conversation with Mark Cody for the people who haven't heard it yet. Yeah, it was great news. And, you know, you people probably would assume this, but we talk every week about, you know, who makes sense to put on, you know, this show and the other show. And right, I think in the middle of talking, it was announced Mark Cody was the coach. And he's had a longstanding friendship with my folks, so I was able to get that interview. Um, and he talked about the school. He's talked – he explained how many scholarships each program has. Um you know, the the amount of enrollment there. Um, he is going to be the director of wrestling operations, and he's going to hire a coach for the women's team. And they're going to get an RTC. They're going to do all the things you would expect they would do. Um, they have one year where they will wrestle in club, and then they'll go straight to Division One. I. I think one thing that some really smart people actually asked me, they were like, well, why don't they have to sit like five years when a school goes from D2 to D1 or NAIA to D2 or anything like that? The reason why those programs have to sit is because of academic standards. You know, if I'm a sophomore and I got into a D2 school, but I didn't make the D1 clearinghouse, it wouldn't be fair for that school to just suddenly flip over and be D1. Um, Presbyterian College is a Division I school that every kid that goes there has to make the Division One clearinghouse. So that's why there's no five-year wait. And the, the reason why the wait is five years is because no matter how long you're there, that gets you out. So, you know, that was at least one point of clarification that I think is probably, you know, fairly educational even for some really smart people. Yeah, there's some other things in play there, too, is my understanding. It has something to do with the revenue share of uh, Division One money as well mm -hmm. uh, with with – you know, programs coming up to D1. Uh, you know, a couple other numbers that are certainly interesting about this to me. Uh, first, or, or bits of information, I should say. Presbyterian will be the first Division One men's program, uh, new Division One men's program since 2003 when Utah Valley launched its program. And uh, also, this is... Uh, about 180 new programs now uh, that have been launched since 2001. Uh, we're not seeing a lot of them at the Division One level, as I mentioned, first since 03 with Utah Valley. But David, we're seeing a lot of a lot of growth in NAIA wrestling and lower level 
NCAA programs as well. It's enrollment driven. And junior college. Yeah. And junior college as well. It's enrollment driven. It's uh, a topic that you know a lot about. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, we we recruited against a lot of NAI schools. You and I have had this conversation privately, and I think we probably have equal knowledge of it. But the way it really works, especially at the NAI level, is, a, you know, school X costs, say, $30,000 to go to school there. And what they have is what they call a bring number. And the bring number is how much they need every student on average to bring. So let's say the bring number for... Uh, Andy Hamilton College is 18000 So what that means is literally if I'm the coach at Andy Hamilton College, I could give every kid a $12,000 scholarship, and then they're bringing the other eighteen, And so the school's happy because 18 is what they need to run uh, the college and be profitable. Now, out of that 18, if you get a Pell Grant for five or six, you can have a work study, you can have loans. You know, you can have outside scholarships, you can have in, inside scholarships, any of those things to make up, you know, that other 18. The other thing to look at there is then if we, if there's a guy that they want to give 100% to, they can. He just has to average out, so they have to give a bunch of other guys less so that the average comes out to $12,000 a kid. And, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people complain against it, and when I was recruiting against it, I, it was hard because they're not actually athletic scholarships. That's the one thing those programs all push is, look, if you get hurt or you quit, you get to keep your money, um, which is very different than, you know, if you go to junior college, which has 16 national letters of intent, they can only sign 16 guys to scholarship money. Schools can have up to 16 scholarships. Most of them don't. When we were at Merrimack, we had five. When I was at Ren Lake, we had 12 a lot of times they just give a junior college a chunk of money and you can break it up however much you want to. But it's actually really smart if you're a business person because it's the easiest way to prove your program is profitable. All you have to do is know what the bring number is and say, look, we can bring in this many students at this bring number. And a lot of NAIA schools are really, really athletic driven, like Missouri Valley College run by Mike Mockles. He does a great job there. I think they're ranked number two in the country. I think he told me one time 70 or 80% of the students at that school are on an athletic team, which basically means that school wouldn't exist without athletics. And Iowa Central, which is a really good junior college team, uh, I was talking to their ex-head coach, Mark Ostrander, and we were looking at all the different sports they have. I mean, they have things like rodeo and taekwondo as, as sports. And what that helps them do is it, it brings students to the two most profitable portions of a school, which is the meal plans and the dorms. Because when you recruit kids for those sports, they're not recruiting out of Fort Dodge, Iowa. They're recruiting out of all over the country. They're not recruiting out of Marshall, Missouri. And they couldn't because those towns just aren't big enough. So th that is why they've had a lot of success at NAI and junior college in terms of growing programs. It's not to take anything away from it. It's just simply the financial explanation of it. Division one is a lot harder because I mean, like if let's say Ohio State didn't have a program, they got 60,000 kids. They don't care if yeah. they have 60,050 or not, or 59,900. It's a drop in the bucket. That's yep. exactly right. Yeah. So that's, you know, and Mark Cody, they only have four scholarships for the men and four scholarships for the women right now. But he told me a staggering number. He said that the average student only pays 20% out of pocket of the university costs. 
So they must. There's a lot of must be in in-house grants, and they must have a lot of kids there on need-based grants, and they probably have a lot of kids that are there on academic scholarships. But if he can do that, and you know, one of the things that he and I spoke about was he has the blueprint on how to take a school that's you know small that doesn't have a lot of enrollment that no one's ever heard of and making them really relevant. And you know, we're obviously talking about American University and. He tells great stories about when he would make a phone call from Oklahoma State versus a phone call from American as a recruiting call. And, you know, the difference of, of people who knew who those schools were, et cetera. Mark Cody's a great hire for this job because he knows how to do it. And I will be shocked if Presbyterian College doesn't have an All-American in the next five years. I think he knows how to do that, and he focuses on getting the right guys that can get to the podium. He's not going to have 10 of them. It's just not going to happen with those amount of scholarships, but he's probably going to have one or two. And I would imagine the women's team will be really competitive as well. One of the things that uh, was really interesting to me from your interview with him is no roster cap. Yes, at, yes, he stressed that. Yeah, he stressed and, that, right? And uh, you're, you're talking about a school right now that's probably in the 1,100 to 1,200 enrollment range. You know, they, they could put 40 or 50 guys at, on – the men's roster and 40 or 50 girls uh, on the women's roster. And all of a sudden, like you've boosted enrollment at the school, like seven, eight, nine, 10%. Yeah. And that makes you very relevant on campus, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like, you get tutoring help. You get, you get all, you get all the breaks and we want wrestling to get all the breaks because so many times wrestling doesn't get the break. So yeah, I, he, you're right. I, and I forgot to say that, but you're absolutely right. That's a very, very important part that, that he – and he stressed that to me like you're saying. So you're, you're dead on the nuts there. That's a, a very important part to not forget. Yeah, I had a chance to talk last week after we recorded with Danny Sterling, the Presbyterian College Athletic Director. He started in June, uh, immediately went to work on this project. A couple of his uh, main objectives, uh, main missions at the beginning were uh, – trying to boost enrollment, obviously, and we, we've touched upon that, but also developing a national brand and, and where can that school really become nationally relevant. And here's, you know, this, is, this was kind of wrestling's meal ticket and getting this uh, program launched. Right. Uh, and to your point, Mark Cody has done it before. He's done it uh, in similar circumstances. Uh, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a really good fit for the school and, and what they're – what their mission is and, and the way that he's wired too. I, th I think it's a tremendous fit. Uh, I, I think we're going to see more of this, David. I think we're going to see some other small division one programs or division one schools adding wrestling in the future. And, and to your point, it's not going to, you know, I don't think we're going to see it at the university of Texas uh, yeah. anytime soon. Uh, but, but you look at maybe some of uh you know, some other small Division One programs or small Division One schools that can see a huge surge in enrollment. I, I you know, I, I think that that's the ticket. And, and certainly uh, Presbyterian, the key part in this equation is a women's program because, you know, now you, now you don't have to get around any of the, the juggling of the gender equity uh, prongs there. Right. And, and uh, one of the things that was really appealing to Danny Sterling that uh, talked about, I, I said from an athletic director standpoint, I asked him this, I said from an athletic director standpoint, it has to be really cool 
to be the, the athletic director that launched the first Division One women's program. And, and he said, you know, we, we knew this would create some buzz. And uh, he goes, more importantly, you know, we, could, we knew we could give women's athletes uh, who were, were going to be involved with this program, we could give them a good education and give them a first-class experience. And, and those two things were really important. He said, you know, we didn't want to do this if we weren't going to be able to do it right. And so uh, it's pretty cool to see that uh, – you know, they're not just doing this to have a program that they're serious about it. And I think, uh, you know, you, you talk about starting out with four men's scholarships and four women's scholarships. I think this is just the beginning. For that yeah, they're going to fundraise and they're going to grow. And um, you said something that was, that's really intelligent there about they wanted to make a, a, a footprint or an impression on the national landscape. And, you know, if they had basketball, I don't know if they have basketball, but if they do or don't, I mean, there's 300 schools that play basketball, right? There's yeah. 75, 80 schools that wrestle at Division One. If you have one All-American, you beat half of them. You know, and in women, there's not even that many schools that wrestle. So they could they can have an All-American. They can have success right away. And if you know, and I I know you when you spoke to the AD, and I know when I spoke to Mark and. This is kind of interesting for me. It's the first time you and I have almost done parallel interviews, you know, on the same topic or project, so to speak. Those Both the people there were super complimentary of Mike Moyer and the NWCA. And I think the NWCA, I'm sure they figured this out, they should be getting a list of every Division One school in the country and stacking them in terms of enrollment and starting at the bottom. You know, that, that that's the target. If you want to grow it, you know, the two ways to grow it are either get a whole conference to buy in. That's the only way you're probably ever going to get a Texas, like you said, is if the whole Big 12 buys in. But there are other Presbyterian colleges out there, that, like your, to your point, that could make a difference. And Mark Cody made the point of we're the first, and no one else can ever be the first. So that's, you know, that's like Star Wars music kind of stuff, you know. Like that's it's pretty epic. So – and I've known Mark Cody for years, and um, he's just a guy of integrity. So I think that's really good, too, that that program is going to be run super clean. And, and it has to be because the eyes of the, not only the wrestling world, but the world are going to be on that. And I think that's super important to what we're all trying to accomplish here. Yeah, it's it's exciting stuff. And, and like I said, I think, uh, I think this is just beginning. I think uh, we're going to see – some more of this happening in the next decade. It's going to be interesting. We're at, we're at 78 Division One programs when Presbyterian jumps on board. Uh, will that number be north or south of 80, you know, five five years from now? I, I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see, David. I, I think given where we were as a sport, uh, you know, three, four, five years ago, where you start talking about cost of attendance and what will that do to Olympic sports, uh, this is this is really interesting stuff that that we're not just hanging on as a sport right now, and maybe it feels like that in some places. I mean, we just lost. What are we? Several months ago, we're we're several months removed from losing Boise State, and you know, and maybe that battle's not completely over yet. Right. But uh, uh, you know, they're they're sitting on the sidelines this year. Certainly, and, and uh, you know, can we stop from just hanging on and start adding on again? Offense I think, versus uh, defense, right? Exactly, exactly. And Mark Cody and I spoke about that too, and I think 
that you have to be a fan of Presbyterian College if for no other reason it feels like we're playing offense. And when I say we, I mean the wrestling community. Yeah, wrestling's growing down there in that, that region of the country too, right? I mean, you look at, uh, you know, it, it amazed me last year, you know, when I spent so much more time observing results around the country at the high school level. Right. Just to see how many talented kids are coming out of Florida and Georgia right now. And North Carolina, I think, has the second most Division One wrestling programs behind Pennsylvania. Yeah. No one knows that. But they got all right. these schools that are that offer, and they're in South Carolina. So, I mean, they're going to be able to put together a pretty good schedule. And if, if weather's important in recruiting South Carolina, there's a lot worse places you could live in the wintertime than South Carolina. So, yeah, it's really it's, – it was exciting. It was cool to be able to talk to Mark. And, um, you know, he talked about his journey, about sitting out last year, not knowing if he was ever going to get another chance again, and what he did with that year. And his, his answer is really interesting. He's a he's a deep guy, and uh, he didn't give me the canned answers, which I really appreciate. You always wonder when you talk to people like that if they're just going to push a button in their neck and tell you what they tell everybody else, or if they're going to tell you what they were really thinking. And he was awesome, you know. So I I thought it was really cool that he went and coached high, at the high school level, helped out the high school level. I always like that when when uh, you know the guys that that have coached NCAA champs <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. been there on Saturday nights at the NCAA championship wearing a suit as you suited up, you, you know, suited you know, up. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, that they they don't you know just sit there at, at home on their couch. I mean they're they're. You know, they might not be in a Division One corner, but they're out helping high school kids. I think that's really cool. It, and can you imagine being one of those kids, how cool that must have been? Yeah. I mean, you're like, yeah, um, my coach did this. Well, my coach was is he coaches NCAA champions. Yeah. I mean, the confidence level. And actually, you know, he's – I hope people listen. He just talked about some really cool things. And um, it's going to be exciting to watch that happen. I'm really, you know, he's actually, you know, we, we actually talked off air and we're going to uh, try to grab dinner in Cleveland. Um, I'm just, it's, I'm not proud of him because he's older than me, but I'm just really happy for him. You know, he's just, he's a really good man. You know, maybe, and, and, you know, you talked about this, like with what Helen did and what Kyle did and Jordan did. And you're like, maybe the point of the story is to be a good person. Um, I think he's another good, a good person. So I, I'm really happy for him. Well, David, not a lot to talk about on the rankings front, but uh, we're going to dive into that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, first, a word for our friends at Resolite. This podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats from Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive digiprint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. David, not a lot of changes on the rankings front this week, a light week. Yeah, uh, but uh, let's take a quick run through the top ten. Uh, Ohio State for the fifth straight week remains number one. Buckeyes are sitting at 129 and a half projected NCAA placement and advancement points. Penn State remains number two at 113, followed by Oklahoma State at 78, Missouri at 63, Michigan 
at 61 and a half. North Carolina State has moved up into a tie for sixth with Lehigh at 52. Arizona State comes in eighth at 45, and Iowa and Rutgers tied at 44 and a half. David, one of the features, new features we have this week, people that check out our individual rankings, you will notice that there is a underline under each uh, wrestler in the top 25 at every weight. Uh, there may be a couple exceptions there, but uh, there's uh, blue links now. Click on the wrestler names. You can pull up their bios and what they have done this season. So pretty interesting feature that uh, wrestling fans can check out. I think it's going to be pretty useful for uh, not just wrestling fans, but us as we compile our rankings each week. Let's be honest. This is all because of you. No, I wouldn't say that, David. It this is. not because of me. You this did is the because work. You did the work. This is because of <laughs> Justin Tritz and, okay, you and Justin. Tommy Maroka yeah, those and guys. the guys the smart, on the back yeah, end. Yeah, the guys who know how to write code. Okay, but it was a request that um, I made, and it was a request that some of the coaches – had put into me, um, but it's awesome because, you know, people love rankings because they're a source of argument and disagreement and conversation, and now you're like, well, look, why is why do they have, why does Track Wrestling have Andy 4th and David 7th? Well, we can just click on there and look at their side-by-side records, look at their resumes, and, you know, they can say, well, yeah, but he lost, but it was back in November, or... Well, you know, it's the whole good win, bad loss, all these different arguments, and you can pull them all up right there. And so it's awesome, um, and it's going to really help the coaches when they do their rankings because they have to rank down to 33. So even if they don't agree with our rankings or my rankings, there's at least 25 names there for them to start. And then the second part is they can click on those names and look at who those guys lost to and say, oh, well, okay, David Miracatani is not in the top 25, but he beat Andy Hamilton at one point of the year who was 17th. Maybe he should be somewhere between 26 and 33. So it's really cool. Um, you were showing me the other night how to, how to even do the rankings simpler than the process we have now, which anytime it simplifies the amount of work I have to do, I am <laughs> eternally, eternally grateful. So I – I thank everyone at Track Wrestling who is smarter than me, which is basically all of you people, for helping me with this. It's it's awesome. I'm really jazzed about it. Well, let's take a look at uh, the 10 individual weight classes. David, uh, not a lot of movement this week. Where do you want to dive in on I, the rankings? I think the easiest thing is to say there were no changes at 125, 133, 165, 174, 285. The one thing that was really disappointing to me, and I'm sure to you, is there's a lot of matches we didn't get, right? Like we didn't get Scotty Parker DeSanto. We didn't get Stoll Hamida. Um, There were a couple, we didn't get, we got Richie Lewis Marinelli, but we didn't get Richie Lewis Kemmer. And Richie Lewis Marinelli really wasn't very helpful for rankings. Um, There were just a bunch of matches like that, but that happens around finals time. I mean, I saw these matches, and I, it reminded me of when I coached, and you're like, man, this guy, he had to study all week. So he, he, he had to miss practice. He, you know, we didn't want him cutting weight, um, or they got finals coming up this week, whatever the case may be. 
it's a horrible time of the year to even schedule events, you know, but people want to see them. You know, you're in the middle of season. It's all the more argument for the second semester thing. You know, I don't want to digress into that, but we just, we missed a lot of, we missed a lot of Mark, what could have been marquee matches. So um, I guess the first weight where there was really any changes at all was 41, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there wasn't really, and there wasn't really any change in like the top 14 there. So, I mean, you know, a little bit, Ryan Deal had a bad weekend. He got majored by Stickley. He got beat by Happel. Um, probably the biggest change there um, is, you know, we'll probably put in Stickley uh, instead of uh, Cole Martin next week. It's just kind of hard figuring out who's going to wrestle there. So, um and then yeah, Wisconsin. You know, we've talked about this before. Wisconsin's one of those uh, teams that's kind of similar in in some ways to like maybe NC State of a year ago, where uh, just pretty solid at a lot of weights. And, it, uh, and Lehigh this year. <laughs> yeah, those three teams have a lot of dudes that could that seem interchangeable for sure. Yeah, you know, maybe Wisconsin probably isn't uh, doesn't have the high end, the level of you know the number of high end guys that uh, Lehigh does, but uh, certainly uh, going to be a tough out in dual meets just because they're not going to give up a ton of bonus points. Yes, I agree, and, and they have you know a guy like Wick kind of emerge, and they've always yep. had guys emerge, right? You know, what I mean, right? They've always got two or three guys, right? Yeah, that are that are in the the mix to finish fifth or better. Yeah, for sure. So, so. forty nine, we made. Um, I shouldn't say we. I did. I made a decision. It, there wasn't really a lot of good prospects for, uh, really the twenty fourth and twenty fifth slot. So I put – is it Blees or Blies? I, Blies. Blies. Um, I put Blies in, and I put Alfred Bannister in, and I'm assuming they're going to be eligible. If I'm wrong, then we'll have to pull them out. But I put them in sort of based on their body of work. Blies won the UNI Open. Bannister you know, has wrestled in a couple Opens this year. So, you know, that was kind of, you know, the big change, if any, there. Um, and then – Let's see, 57. 57 with uh, Lewis. You left him at four. Yeah, I don't know what to do there. Um, it's such a weird rate. Wait, rather, right? Like, Pantaleo couldn't buy a win, and then he wins Cliff Keen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Micah Jordan loses his shield and then beats him. Shield starts out on fire and then, you know, loses to Jordan. Um, but he's beaten Pantaleo, and he's beaten Berger. Uh, you know, Berger's kind of, you know, at nine, but he, you know, he, he placed last year. Uh, I don't know. And I don't know that Richie Lewis is getting back down to 57. I mean, I think the Christmas tournaments or the holiday tournaments will solve or clarify a lot of things. Right. But yeah, if this is a, a weight where if you told me right now, Tyler Berger is going to finish ninth, I, I would probably say no. Right. Um, but that means one of those eight guys got to come out. You know, I don't know who the, who it's going to be, but I feel like it's going to be somebody because I feel like Tyler Berger is going to medal. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a weight that certainly got a lot deeper from last year to this year when when you add in yeah. uh, Pantaleo coming back out of red shirt, Jordan coming up, uh, Lewis if if he indeed stays there coming back off injury, 
correct. Yeah. And I misspoke. We, there was Pine Silver? Yeah, he's he's quietly gone undefeated. He's kind of like Casper last year, right? And you know, he may have a coming out party at um, – does Duke still go to the scuffle? I was just about to look that up. Well, I think maybe – while you're looking that up, I misspoke at 65. There was a change. We moved, Marinelli. Yeah, yeah, we moved Marinelli up. Uh, it's a, that was a good win for him, and we just didn't know where he was health-wise. Like, we didn't know where he was health-wise. We didn't know where Stoll was health-wise. We still don't know if Spencer Lee is going to answer – or wrestle, rather. And we got answers to one of those three questions this weekend, and that was Marinelli. Yep. I think 65 might be the deepest weight in the country when a guy like Anthony yeah. is ranked 14th, right? And Marinelli's right. 11. Chance Marsteller's 10. Yeah. I mean, that's those are like huge, huge recruits, right, coming out. I mean, yeah. Marsteller won the Hodge. You know, Marinelli was a gigantic recruit. Anthony and Zahid were gigantic recruits. And those guys are all – I mean, Anthony's – we have him in the round of 16, not even in the round of 12. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. To answer your question about Duke, Duke does indeed go to the Southern Scuffle. Duke's got an interesting schedule, David. Before Christmas, no duels. Juco for the schedule. Blue Devils. The Juco schedule. Southeast Open, Keystone <laughs> Classic, Cliff Keen Open, Southern Scuffle. Blue Devils will wrestle their first duel January sixth against Army. So it's it's living proof that the duels are with what's going on right now, they're not super important. So, yeah. Um, at 84, the only real Greg Harvey lost to Brendan McRill, so he fell out and Nick Corba moved up. And 97, let me see what happened here. There, uh, This is another mess because Beasley DNP'd the week before at Vegas, and then he goes out and sticks Grigo in, like, Really one of the slowest left-handed headlocks I've ever seen in the history of Division One wrestling that worked. Um, it was like a six-second headlock, but he got it. So, And then Matty Ace lost to Jacobson, and uh, Luizal from Drexel lost to Weiler, who are both from Lehigh. Both those guys ranked, so we had to figure out which guy from Lehigh to rank. So we looked at both their bodies of work, and Weiler's was better. Um, and you help me. What's how am I pronouncing Jarek's last name? It's not Kasunik. It's Kaznick. Kaznick. Okay, Kaznick. So Kaznick. Apologies for getting that wrong last week, but thank yes. you. Yeah. Thank you for t- to Teague Moore for yeah. giving me a little assistance on that. We always want to get them right. So if we're screwing something up, <laughs> yeah, please reach out to us. With a last name like Merikatani, I'm sensitive to that. So yeah, we want to <laughs> get it right. So Kaznick, you know, he lost to Jacob Seeley at Vegas, but then came all the way back through and took third. It wasn't a super – I mean, the first two guys there were good, more and hot, but a lot of the other guys weren't there. Weiler has a win over Kasnick, but then he's got losses to guys like Brucky and people like that. So this is your uh, iPod earbuds analogy here, kind of like 10 through 21 is kind of a complete mess. So – yeah, and there's going to be movement here, right, throughout the – Yeah. There's going to be a lot of movement here, I, I think. And I've, I've said this from the beginning. Just, I mean, you look at uh, 
like we talked about Cash Wilkie a year ago, like how many close matches he lost that, that all of his matches, except with, with the exception of uh, his match against Colin Moore a year ago, he was in just about every match. And, and he goes from being the 34th guy in the weight class at the <laughs> NCAA championships to, to being in the round of 12, almost making a stand. And now, now he's ranked fifth. And so he's still a guy that uh, wrestles a lot of close matches. And, you know, right now he's just, uh, Winning more than more than his share, so so he's sitting there at five. You're also looking at uh, Anthony Kassar, Penn State at ten. You look at how Penn State can get back uh, into this thing and make up some ground on on Ohio State. That to me is the big one right there. I mean, sure. if, if he can crack uh, into the top five, that's well, you know you go, you know that's that's potentially you know a ten point gain for Penn State right there. What's weird is if McCutcheon was here, he'd probably be ranked fifth. Yeah. Yep. I mean, which, if somebody's playing devil's advocate with me, they go, well, why don't you have Kassar ranked there? Well, because he's lost to guys. That's the yeah. problem. You know? I mean, you know, McCutcheon's only lost is to Kassar. So, yeah, it's it's that's a, a really weird one. And then the other thing that happened that weight this weekend was Jacob Warner lost, which, you know, like one of my buddies was teasing me this weekend because I was like, you know, if Warner popped out, he'd be, you know, before you and I, I'm like, he'd be the number two seed in the country. You know, I mean, yeah. he beat Miklas, Miklas stuck hot, blah, blah, blah. And then he loses to Oklahoma. You know, now that kid always wrestles him close. He wrestled him close in the All-Star meet and things like that. And he kind of got lost in a scramble where if he had just kind of not gotten mentally lost for a second, he would have gotten escape and could have, you know, won an overtime. But this weight feels really, really, you know, like if Nate Roeder, if anybody in the two, three, six, seven, bottom half of the bracket made the finals, it wouldn't shock me. Like, I think Colin Moore is the best guy. I think you don't want to be the four or the five seed. I think you'd rather be six or seven. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're talking about Jake Woodley against Jacob Warner there in the semifinals at the UNI Open. I was watching that match through a camera lens, taking photos, and it was really bizarre. I, You know, Warner uh, got the early takedown, was up, I think, 2-0 at the end of the first, and, um, you know, didn't make a whole lot happen after that. And then Woodley got the takedown late, and, uh, you know, I couldn't tell the time. I'm watching through the camera, and I was like, all right, we're going to overtime. <laughs> the next thing I know, Woodley's getting his hands raised, so. Yeah. I was really thoroughly confused by what happened until I went back and uh, got a chance to talk to people about how it played out in the end where, where would, uh, Warner just didn't kick out in time uh, to get his escape to send it into OT. But uh, anything else you want to hit on the rankings, David? Yeah, no. And this is a light week, too. There's a couple duels, and there's like two or three duels that have a lot of potential top 20 matchups, and then there's Reno. So Reno will probably, you know, to a certain extent, it'll be a smaller version of uh, Vegas. And the, the really bad thing for me is Reno's on Sunday. So <laughs> the results don't come in until Sunday night as opposed to Saturday night. So it'll make it'll make Sunday night and Monday a very busy day. Well, David, another shout to our friends at Resolite. This podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source 
for both classic and lightweight mats from Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. David, you were down in Oklahoma this past weekend for the Perry Tournament of Champions. I was a bit all over the place, uh, nine blocks down the street at the Unidome for UNI Open for a brief period of time, checking out Spencer Lee there, and then back uh, home to monitor Council Bluffs Wrestling Classic, David, a match that people in <laughs> Iowa are probably going to be talking about for decades to come. Alex Thompson, Brody Teske, there's a lot of hype going into this match. Two undefeated three-timers in Iowa, both guys Fargo, cadet finalists, both Big Ten bound, Teske to Penn State, Thompson to Nebraska. Never seen a match of, you know, these stakes where two undefeated three-timers went at it in Iowa. Uh, Tremendous credit to both guys for putting it on the line. And uh, usually when matches of this magnitude happen, like the hype never lives up or the the, the match never lives up to the hype. Right. Or as you put it, the the steak never lives up to the sizzle. (laughs) But, man, this, David, like the match, I didn't think the match could be better than the hype, and the match was far exceeded it. 11-9, Teske emerges victorious, takedown about 10 seconds to go. Erases a seven to three deficit in the third period. You get a chance to look at it, David. I did, I did, and uh, I think you know I'm friends with, I'm very good friends with some people in Iowa, and uh, me too. Not, you and I, well, no, but I mean I'm, that's normal for you. I'm saying like I'm an honorary Iowan in some ways. I want you know, but um, I'm actually really pretty good friends with uh, Teske's assistant coach, and. Uh, he had big compliments for both the kids, you know, both the guys, you know, just like you said, um, putting it on the line. The other thing is there was a couple calls that could have gone either way and the kids never complained about, I mean, like they just wrestled, you know, you, yep. see, you see guys belly aching and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I just, it, those guys love the match. I thought it was great. Um, you know, but I don't, I don't know all the background story behind those kids, but I found out later, I mean, they're friendly. They're not friends. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I think somebody might've thought that and like, well, not really like they're, you know, they talk to each other on, you know, Instagram or whatever. But, you know, the main thing was that was just a scrap, right? Like, I mean, those guys just went out and did the dang thing. So it was super impressive. Um, they're both their offense was so good. It's almost like both those guys' defense kind of needs to get better, but it's kind of hard to say that because nobody ever gets in that deep on them. Yeah. But Tes- but uh, Tanner Utley, who is Teske's assistant coach, he said something. He goes, Teske goes forward. He goes, and sometimes he comes out of position going forward. He goes, but he'll just he'll keep scoring. And he goes, you know, he was down in the semis. It had to come back. And he goes, but being behind doesn't rattle him. So, um, and you could see that you could yeah. see his body language, his face, all that, he, that, that kid was not concerned, which 
is is awfully impressive, right? You know, in the yeah, in the last you know fifty three, fifty four weeks, Brody Teske has been down eight two uh, to Bryce West, a state champion who's now on the roster at Northern Illinois. He was down eight two in the third and came back and pinned him in the finals of the Independence Invitational a year ago. Okay. He was down 5-2 with under 30 seconds to go Saturday against Philip Mooney from Nebraska, a highly credentialed guy on the Nebraska. Came back, got a stall call on the edge with about 27, 28 seconds to go, and then got a takedown. And then just before time expired, Mooney tried to uh, Gramby out and get the winning escape with the match tied, and Teske held him for, you know, a really quick two-count, questionable <laughs> whether it was one or two, uh, but he got the two-count, won the match 7-5 in regulation, and then, as I mentioned uh, a minute ago, 7-3 going to the third. He trails against Alex Thompson, and Thompson kicks him out to start the third period, Makes it 7-4. Teske gets in on a shot, goes up around the head, gets cradle, uh, puts him on his back for 2-2 two and two to go ahead. Thompson reverses him. Teske gets away. And then Teske gets the winning takedown. Uh, you know, I had a couple reporters here that, uh, you know, in western Iowa that, that reached out to me that they were writing stories. They wanted to hear my opinion. And, uh, you know, Kevin White, a long time friend of mine over in Western Iowa that's uh, worked in Council Bluffs in Omaha uh, asked me about the fact that, uh, you know, one of the things that he alluded to is he's like, every time I look at, at the, you know, every time I get on track wrestling and look at dual results, I see forfeit after forfeit, and I see pop kids that, that could be wrestling each other that aren't, that get moved around, and he goes, is this a rarity? And and I said, well, maybe in the in the big picture it is you know we're, we're seeing a lot of forfeits and a lot of coaches are moving people around to win dual meets but the elite kids aren't ducking each other like the elite kids seek out elite competition and you think about like how many, t- how many Saturdays you know in the last three and a half years have Brody Teske and Alex Thompson how many times have they gone to a tournament on the weekend and just run through people right. and never been challenged like this think about how refreshing that had to be you know, to get the blood flowing like, like it was, you know, throughout the week and, and getting ramped up for a, a competition of this ilk this early in the year. And, and then think about how much, you know, that both of them are going to learn from this experience. You know, Brody, in, in terms of, you know, trying to tighten down some position where he's not going to open himself up as much as you alluded to when he goes forward like he does. Alex Thompson's probably going to be, you know, thinking about where he could have locked that match down. Could he have ridden Teske a little bit more? You know, he didn't really make an attempt to, uh, except for really when he got that uh, that uh, reversal with right. about a minute to go. Uh, but, uh, you know, I I thought, like, and I've seen Alex Thompson do this before. He got that takedown in, you know, early in the first period, about midway through the first period, and, yeah. and kicked him out right away. Like in like a like, second or two. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like like no no chill. Like, yeah, it was like <laughs> like I almost wonder if if the way he kicked him out in the third period, if he's thinking, you know, at that point, like all right, it's seven three now, but I, you know, I'm a couple two three, you know, couple takedowns and a a write out, three takedowns and a write out away from scoring a major here. I 
I think it's habit. Like I wrestled, and you, you get really good. You know, you know, I, I beat a lot of guys, and especially in high school, and you just get used to kicking guys loose because it's the hardest spot for guys to stall, right? And I think he just almost did it out of habit. Maybe he did it to kind of like set the tone, like, look, I think I can do this to you again. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, and they're going to both make adjustments, right? And the other thing is they may actually wrestle again in the third weekend yes. of January. There's yes. a, a tournament that Tanner – Second weekend, I believe. Yeah, I think it's the second weekend Okay, of yeah, Tanner thought it was the third weekend, but the Jayhawk invite, which is the Cedar Rapids-Jefferson tournament. Yep. And, and Tanner doesn't anticipate either one of those guys running. Um, no. I mean, now I – mean, what's, what's the what, – what would uh, be the reasoning for Thompson to run at this point? I'm sure he wants another shot at Teske, and Teske has already said, like, I'm staying put. You know, I, yeah, and Thompson had a big knee brace on, too. You know, I mean, yeah. and, he, he, and I don't, I didn't see any, you know, anyone making any excuses or anything like that. I don't think there were any excuses. I, I think the hardest part is this. I mean, I, I'm, I'm old. And, you know, I remember people writing articles when I wrestled a guy that was, ended up being a two-time state champ and I was a three-time state champ and the pressure of that. And that's one one-thousandth of what all this social media crap is now for kids these age. Yeah. There's all these keyboard warriors acting like they ever did anything in their life. And, you know, they're making comments on these kids' lives. I, I, I give them credit for just – even if it had been a really boring two-to-one match, I think they won just by doing the dang thing, you know? So the fact that the match was epic was, like, almost a bonus, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, I mean, to your point, uh, you know, one of the things that I saw on social media, one, one of the best things that I saw on social media immediately afterward was from Aiden Reeves. Uh, state champ from Albia okay. said so much respect for Alex and Brody couldn't ask for two better competitors to represent Iowa wrestling, you know, and, and uh, I, I think there was a lot of that from, that's you know, good. That's what the reaction a lot of should that from be, right? Peers. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's what it should be. Yeah. 100% on that. I'm glad that's, that was the reaction, but you know, there's some knuckleheads that didn't react that way. Right. You know? I yeah. Mean, yeah. So those kids, you know, they got their heads on straight because they're listening to the right people. And um, Tanner was funny. Not funny. It was like, you know, I go, well, you know, how happy was Teske that he won? He goes, we got in the bus. And he goes, coach, we got to work out tomorrow. I got to get a lot better. That's scary. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you're also talking about a guy that the, the day after he wins his third state title, he's out on the football field doing, like, stance and motion stuff the next day. So that's. You know, that's how he's wired, and, and uh, you know, the point, you know, going back to, to my interview with Kevin White, you know, when he was asking me about this stuff, I said the one thing about these two, like, I, you know, when I, and I've covered these two since they were freshmen in high school and done a lot of interviews with them, and I've never heard them talk, either one of them say, like, you know, when, when we're talking about goals and things like that, neither one has ever said, like, my goal is to go, that, that I've heard, I've never heard either one of them say, my goal is to go undefeated for high school. They're talking about winning NCAA World and Olympic titles. And, you know, when, when your goals are that big, you're, you're thinking about testing yourself right. to fi figure out what you need to do to, uh, you know, to compete at that level. State, they're not, state is a know, stepping stone for those guys. Yeah, they're not, they're not thinking about, like, Cody yeah. Teske and Alex Thompson are not thinking about, like, five years from now, who cares what their high school record is? They're going to be trying to beat Spencer Lee and Dayton Fix and, and guys like that, you yeah, know? Yeah. yeah. 
so, you're right. Everything you're saying is right, like a hundred percent. But you get people around you that don't have their heads on right. And I mean, I almost got an ulcer my senior year in high school, and I'm not kidding because I was like, I got a hundred match win streak, and all these people were saying all these things, and my mother said, "Who cares? These people don't live your life." You know, like it, it's easy for us to say as old guys, well, yeah, it's you know just. You know, challenge yourself. Don't worry about your high school record because you're trying to do this. When you're in that moment, that's not easy. That takes a lot of maturity. You know, so that's probably the thing I respect the most about what they did. You know, I thought the match was great. You know, I don't mean it like that. I just don't think that was the best part of the story. I think the best part of the story is that they just did it. Yeah. And they just let, you know, use another one of my dad's phrases, like, yo, they let the fur fly. Yeah. You know, they just got after it, man. And. Nobody was trying to win three to two. Thompson wasn't trying to sit on a lead. Teske wasn't trying to, you know, hit a big throw and not go hard. Like, they just went after it. So yep. it was super cool. Yep. Well, David, you got a chance to be in Perry, Oklahoma, for the Perry Tournament of Champions. So fun. What were some of the highlights? So fun. Well, visiting the, the uh, monument again, uh, I went down with Alex Steen, who works for Open Mad, and, um, you know, he drove me. He's from Tulsa. So he was, he's a great guy, you know, and he does the rankings for them. So we, you know, if we recorded that conversation um, that we had together, it was nothing but nerd talk for about 75 minutes about college rankings. Um, did the finals. I did the semis with Chance Leonard and the finals with Chance and Hardell and Alex. And those guys all were fantastic. Um, the track or the, the track wrestling reception we received from a tournament that is that old, they still use the old scoreboards where it's like, you know, the nameplates and the, you know, each number, each digit is a different nameplate. You know, they hang it up there, but, you know, people were all checking their phones and seeing the updated scores and brackets. Uh, It was super cool. And they're running a big event there in June that I'm going back to cover. Um, Sort of like a a, a beat the streets like event in in Oklahoma. I recruited a ton when, I mean, I was the guy that recruited for my dad. I I can't remember the last time I went to a high school meet and didn't care who won and didn't care who I could get. It was a very, very fun perspective to just watch and just watch the value of high school wrestling. You know, that this is, these people love wrestling. We walked into this diner for breakfast and, uh, we both had wrestling jackets on, and the, the woman goes, you here for the tournament? I said, yes, ma'am. And she goes, how are we doing? I said, we're in second place. She goes, we going to get them today? I mean, like, she had on a Perry wrestling T-shirt in, you know, like, state champion T-shirt. I mean, it's, it's awesome there. Like, if you have to live in a small town, that's the kind of small town you want to live in. Yeah, it was, that sounds really cool. It was really cool. <laughs> so, I mean, it was very good for me just to – sort of just shake the snow globe and get a new perspective. It was very mentally healthy for me. I, I enjoyed it tremendously. I want to thank Chad Lindsley, Ronnie Delk, uh, Chance Leonard, Alex Steen, and Hardell for all making me feel at home. It was great, and uh, I hope they'll have us back. Well, David, I'm going to get an opportunity to go on a high school road trip on my own this weekend, really fired up about – Heading out east for the Beast of the East. We're going to have that live on-track wrestling. Kickoff to the Beast will be Friday night, Ohio State against Princeton. 
the marquee match in that one, 149 pounds, Matthew Kaladzic against Keyshawn Hayes. And on Saturday and Sunday, we're going to have the Beast 25th anniversary. Yeah. There's been some huge names that have competed <laughs> yeah. in that tournament, David. Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Snyder, uh, Coleman Scott, Frank Molinero, David Taylor, Steve Mako, Franklin Gomez. I could go on for days. Troy Nickerson. We posted a match the other day. Troy Nickerson wrestled Coleman Scott for a Beast title one year. So I think we counted up 28 NCAA champs. Uh, that have meddled at the Beast. That's just the ones that have meddled. I'm sure there may be um, one or two that have slipped through the cracks that came through a year or two, maybe didn't meddle, and uh, went on to greater things in their wrestling career later. But, uh, man, there are going to be some serious hammers there. Joey Silva, Michael Beard, Sammy Sasso, David Carr, Kurt McHenry, uh, Julian Tagg, Robert Howard. I could go on and on. Patrick Glory. Yeah, uh, it's loaded. It's a loaded yeah. tournament. That was one of those tournaments. Like, if we could get a, if the kid placed in the top eight, we could get him at junior college. We're like, we're good. Like that kid could win nationals. And you're, if the perspective is interesting, because like when I was at Perry, they have the history of the tournament. Kendall Cross wrestled in that tournament, and didn't even win it. You know, and then wins. It's like what was the Eastern Michigan story with Deacon, right? Like if that's harder than the world's. Like, yeah, Jordan Burroughs never won the Beast, right? No. <laughs> yeah. So um, the places you've been to in the last 15 months, give or take, you, you know, you could probably sell your memoir after all the stuff you've seen, you know? So, I mean, it's that's going to be an awesome tournament. Yeah, and you're going to, you know, see a lot of recruiting going on up there, um, you know. And when I had uh, Dubuque on, they, they are smart. They're like, we wanted to be a part of this. So they're wrestling – that Friday night, right? Like right before, like you mentioned, you know, yeah. there. So, I mean, they, they get to get a, a meet in, be seen, and then get to see those kids all while they're there. It's really, really smart marketing on Ohio State and Princeton's part. Yeah, absolutely. And you think about, like, you know, I'm running down the names. I mean, how many of those guys that we're going to see on Friday night wrestled in the Beast? Snyder, McKenna, Kaladzic. Um, I could I could go I would on guess and Miles on. Martin Miles did. Martin yeah. won it. Yeah, yeah I guess yep. he did. So, a lot of those guys are from out east, right? You know, yep. so I mean, maybe Brucky wrestled in it. I don't know, but yeah, there's a lot of them. And uh, it's you're seeing the superstars of tomorrow for sure. So yeah, yeah, we're also gonna have uh, some other big tournaments, high school tournaments on the docket this weekend on track wrestling, Minnesota Christmas tournament. Going to be some phenomenal talent up in Minnesota at that one. You, know, you think uh, about states that performed this summer on the international stage, and their Minnesota had a banner summer. When you think about Mark Hall, uh, Gable Steveson, Daniel Kirkfully, at uh, Emily Shilson, Mitch McKee, uh, going out and winning uh, world medals, you know, being in the world finals. Yeah, uh, you it know, makes, there's it makes winning junior duels seem like nothing. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more in the pipeline, too. I mean, the guys, you know, I had a chance to go and watch a practice up at Pinnacle. And uh, Jared Lawrence, Brandon Paulson and company up there, they've done a phenomenal job. And, uh, you know, there is such an, you know, such an incredible amount of talent in that state right now, all the way uh, throughout the high school system. So that's, that's going to be fun to watch the results there. Battle of Waterloo here in the Cedar Valley. This weekend, the tournament that we saw, Rocky Lombardi, now a 
quarterback at Michigan State, registered a three-second pin. We talked about that a year ago on this show. Uh, also, the old Chicago tournament out in Colorado. Uh, so those are going to be some big high school tournaments coming up this weekend on track wrestling. Another new feature, David, that we're going to roll out uh, here in the next day or two, the track wrestling high school rankings. So that's going to be exciting to yeah. put those up for the first time. So be on the lookout for those. Our, our, our guy Olanowski is going to run that, right? Yep, Eric Olanowski. Beast of the East champion, Eric Olanowski. There you go. Who's going to be on the call along with the one and only Shane Sparks. Well, that'll, that'll, be, out the beast. that'll be real low energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try to get him a Red Bull or something, get him to come out of his shell a little bit and show some enthusiasm. So. Shane, get excited about life, would you? Yep. It's not that yep. bad. Yeah. Yep. So, well, David, that's all I have for this week. How about yourself? Uh, I just want to give a shout-out to CBC here in St. Louis. They wrestled great at Ironman. Malik Johnson won. They scored 101 points, uh, seventh out of 88 teams. Really proud of those guys. And uh, I'm going to go to Nebraska and interview uh, Mark Manning and Brian Snyder and some of those guys this weekend uh, on Thursday before they wrestle NC State and uh, North Carolina. So um, I'm excited about that. Uh, Those guys have always been very accommodating, so it'll be fun to do that. Well, good stuff, David. If you haven't already, check out David's interview with Mark Cody, the new director of wrestling operations and men's coach at Presbyterian College. And, David, anything else coming up on Match Chat that we should be looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, we we squeezed an extra one in just because it was timely and newsworthy, and I appreciate you staying up so late last night to put that up. Um, I think this this week or Friday or Saturday, whenever it normally goes up, um, I did about an hour-long interview on camera with Eric Guerrero, so um, that'll go up. And we're working on something pretty big. We don't want to jinx it, but we could have something pretty significant coming up in the next week or two. Awesome. Exciting stuff, David. Thank you very much, David, for your time, as always. Always fun doing this with you, Andy. Absolutely. So we'll be back at it next week. We'll have a Beast of the East recap, a rundown of whatever changes may occur in the track wrestling Division One rankings presented by Resolite, and just a 30,000-foot view of everything that's transpiring in the wrestling world. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week's edition of Weighing In. For David Mercatani, I'm Andy Hamilton. We'll be back next week.